Jester, Jester. don't Jester. Don't be, try and knock over the cup. Don't don't be that guy. You're not that guy. Pal. Oh no, I'm just rubbing up against it because I want affection. <laughs> no, now she's I'm just, just pawing at it because it's interesting to me. Go away. Enough of this. Go away. Go away. Hey, go away. Stop that. Stop it. She's not good at taking a hint. Now she wants to play with fire. No. No, we're not going to play with the lighter. This okay. cat's going to be the death of us. You know this, right? Uh, she might be the death of herself. She's Don't chew on the lighter. Is cat going to be the death of us via uh, stress or, or yes. murder? Yes. I feel like both can be accurate is the thing. Murder via stress? No, that's... Nope. Don't try to... Uh, you're unplugging our... You're trying to unplug our shit now. Okay. Now, 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 now I'm picking you up because you're causing a problem now. Picking you up. Eh, we're putting you down. We're putting you down on the floor. So when we're when we're rich and famous and we have our own, you know, uh, space to do recordings, there's definitely going to be a door to block the cat out. Um, I feel like we might be able to accomplish that before we're rich or famous. Honestly. True. True. I mean, right now we could put the cat in your room or in the bathroom like we do when we're filming TikToks, but it's entirely possible. Welcome. The Dungeon Bros Podcast this is our seventh episode. Seventh episode. First time recording this episode. Absolutely not the second this time. Is this it. Sam's lying to you. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we're doing this episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about the upcoming releases in 2022 for Dungeons and Dragons books, as well as the new release from Darrington Press, a critical role joint, uh, the Taldori Reborn campaign setting yes uh, a revised and updated and uh more feature dense yes campaign setting for taldori new and improved new and improved as well now we have a couple of announcements mm-hmm. big announcements big announcements we're excited uh we hit ten thousand followers yes, on the we tiktok did. we did I, m- a- I might put like some celebratory music here like a little bum, ba, da, da, bum, 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 ba, da. that's final fantasy that's victory victory music uh, that's also copywritten so we, we we've i think now we get lost less this than episode like entirely two seconds i mean we've lost everything in this episode because of windows updates that's already true once. yeah so <laughs> but why why not get the second one copyright struck for ah, a bad rendition of the final fantasy victory s- sound you yeah. know what i'm i'm sure that my intonation is so terrible uh that uh the 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 bots won't be able to figure it out anyway we hit ten thousand followers <laughs> on the tiktok we're in the creator fund now it's we a big deal first big milestone really first for the, big milestone talk first big milestone but yes yeah, so we released our first homebrew pack on drive through RPG. Indeed, indeed. Our first pack on drive through RPG, the five magic item pack, you can get for free. If you are uh, listening to the podcast currently, there is a link tree in our YouTube channel, as well as the link tree is linked in the description of the video form of the podcast. If you are listening on a podcast service around the globe, go to our TikTok page at Dungeon Bros YT. Or Twitter page. Or Twitter. At Dungeon Bros YT. It's a free magic item pack. We got some good ones in there. Got a long bow and a short bow because there's only one magical bow officially released in D&D, mm-hmm. uh, which just dumbfounds me that that's a thing that we still have to deal with. Uh, we got some magical manacles mm-hmm. to help with capturing some magic people, as well as uh, we have a uh, a buff to 
bladed objects. Uh, a nice little sharpening stone. And our last item is an object, I'm sure. I don't remember what it is right our now. Our last object, the Mockingbird Tome. That's right. That's it's a, what, uh, it's a wizard spellbook, but it can also be just like a very useful like infiltration tool for just anyone. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a spellbook. Uh, very nifty. Anyway. Those five items available on our drive through RPG for free in a free magic item pack. We want to do more of these free packs in the future. We've got a spell pack that's about ready to go. That'll be up uh, in the month of February, maybe yeah. by the time you are listening to this. Definitely by the time you listen to the next episode of the podcast. Uh, but it, but if, you're watch- if you're watching this on the YouTube or listening to it now, it'll be available very soon. Why does Windows Updates hate me? Um... It's not just you. Windows updates hates everyone. Just people. Uh, you just happen to be the target of their uh, of their ire of their ire at this point. Yeah. Um, you you you, criti- you you critical failed on the saving throw. I, my computer definitely rolled a nat one on its uh, updates save. That's for sure. Because mm-hmm. we recorded this podcast live on the TikTok as we always do every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we record live on TikTok, um, and Audacity was, was was chugging along, as it always does. It's a perfectly good uh, audio recording software for free, open source. It's been around forever. It was in the process of exporting the raw file that uh, my computer updated and didn't let me say no. To be fair, I don't think I was watching it at the time. I'm pretty sure I hit export, and then we walked away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There was a football yeah, happening. There was a football happening. A- AFC AFC Championship game for the Cincinnati Bengals. By the time you watch this or listen to this podcast, you will already know the result of their game in Kansas City. I'm I'm quite nervous. But needless to say we are recording this for a second time. Yep. This time we're not live on TikTok. Not live. It's, so it's it's a it's a Saturday afternoon. We're just we're just busting this out as best we can. Mm-hmm. We're busting. We're busting. We notorious for our busting skills i would think that being said uh if you follow us on the tiktoks go ahead and uh and and uh check out our live sometime we did one where we had some lovely interactions last night we did. with we did. Uh, we had role-playing a- role-playing degenerates role-playing degenerates as well as john keener the fourth yes very very wonderful people joined us in our uh tiktok live stream celebrating our ten thousand followers we were drinking some bourbon having a good time well, technically, a, a blend of bourbons and scotches and Japanese whiskey and Irish, Irish. whiskey. And, <laughs> and uh, we have a lovely decanter full of yes. our favorite whiskeys. It's wonderful. This is ostensibly. Ostensibly. Ostensibly a D&D podcast. Uh, I, I think we may have mentioned this on the last one, but there is apparently a drinking game that our friend Andy created where yes. uh, he drinks wherever, whenever we say the word ostensibly. During the live stream, we added a couple other things that we have added to that list. Uh, duly duly noted. noted. Yep. Duly noted, top of that list. We, I feel like I say that a lot in real life. I do life. too, yes. Or just noted. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as uh, the link tree in the bio. We were saying that a lot last night. We uh, were we were saying Linktree in the bio quite a bit. Got to pump up um, our stuff, man. I also feel like for the podcast, we could add Moving On uh, as well to that list of drinking game okay. items. So please grab a beverage unless you are at work or it's a weekday. You know, maybe don't grab too many beverages. Or if you're uh, underage. 
Or if you're underage. If you are 14 and listening to this podcast, um, you're not. First you're of not, all, not should be shouldn't be drinking. First of all, you should probably talk to your parents because I don't I don't think they'd want you. I'd say 90% of the time we are pretty we're, we're pretty we're PG. PG. There is that it's, like 10% of the time where we the first R. 10% <laughs> the first 10% of the podcast that people yeah. listen to exactly. Yeah, well. Anyway, let's get into the topic at hand here that we previously talked about, recorded live on the TikTok, and now we're having to redo. Yes. The releases that we know of for Dungeons & Dragons books in 2022 is the new year. It is upon us. It is almost the end of January as we record this. It will be the end. January will be over by the time you're yeah, listening to this. It is. But we have already had two of the major known releases in the D&D world. One of them, not even D- not even not even D&D officially. We got that wrong when we talked about it last yes. last time. Erroneous error on our part. We apologize. Indeed. Uh the Taldori Reborn is a Darrington Press printing. It is third party D&D 5E campaign setting that we will be talking about for the second half of this episode. But the other thing that has released is the Rules Expansion gift set which comes with the new book Morden Kanan and the Monsters of the Multiverse, which is a dope name. Now, if you want this book, you have to buy the bundle currently. The bundle is $170. You get three books. You get a Xanathar, the Toshes, and the Morden Kanans. And the Morden Kanans. Um, if you are interested, if you don't have any of these books, this is a pretty good deal, all things considered. Yes. If you already have Xanathars and Toshes, then one would not be judged harshly for just ignoring the Morning Canaan's book as of right now. That's it, what we're doing. It it will be released in May. Thank you, Jester. We're yeah. not playing right now. <laughs> but yes, the book will be released individually by itself uh, come May, I believe, 17th. Though online right now, you can find plenty of, of the content as people are reviewing it. People who have bought it yeah. early are on release of with this uh, this pack. Um, a lot of a lot of reprints. A lot of reprints. They um, reprinted and modified a bunch of races. Pretty much all of them. Yeah, pretty I much think. anything. I think it was anything after or anything before uh, before witches. Yeah, but really, they uh, they removed ASI or ability, yeah ability score increases based on race. Yeah, and then they did change some of it. Pretty much all races now have a floating plus one and a floating plus two, or I think three floating plus ones if you want. I think so. That they can add to whatever stats that you would like. So, you know, no more pigeonholed classes and races, Mm -hmm. which is nice. But the vast majority of that book is in some ways a reprint or a refresh of something that was in a previous book, like the Morgan Canaan's Tome of Foes, Mm -hmm. like the Volo's Guide to Monsters, etc. and so on. Uh, there's still a whole lot of cool stat blocks in there, some new stuff for the bestiary. A lot of stuff that has been previously printed in the bestiary is reworked. Um, they've made spellcasting classes a lot easier to read by yes. putting their spells under actions and bonus actions instead of just a chart on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've changed pretty much everything from simply stating what their alignment is to stating that they are typically that alignment. Mm-hmm. A very useful tool to all of us, I'm sure it is. Because we all think, oh, what's our alignment for the creature that the party is fighting right now? Right. There's, uh, I, I don't know about you, but uh, 
if I got a party of good of good uh, characters, good wholesome characters, and I really wanted to fight a celestial, that's going to be an evil celestial, no yep. problem. No problems. And also, ninety nine percent of the time, what their actual literal alignment is has basically no bearing on what's going on. Yeah, I was. I think they're anymore. Even uh, there's the detect good and evil spell, which mm-hmm. doesn't detect good and evil. It detects creature type. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've only seen third party things. I think which have you have if if they're this alignment, then this happens. If they're yeah. this alignment, then they can wield this weapon. But other than that, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a table from antiquity, if you will. So there is a, a, a bit of controversy surrounding this book because it is not being released on its own, and the only way to get it is through a gift set. But since it's mostly reprints, I think everyone's fine to skip it until it comes out on its own in May if you want it. Pretty much all of the contents of it are already online. Yeah. <laughs> so do what you will. Next, the Tal'Dorei Reborn. We're going to talk about that later. Uh, after that, we have Critical Role, Call of the Netherdeep, which is going to be a campaign book that takes cre- uh, characters from levels 3 to 12, expanding a lot of uh, Exandria from Jorhas in Wildmount. You eventually move to Marquette and then plunge yourselves into the Netherdeep, what mm-hmm. they call a terrifying cross between the Far Realm and the Deep Ocean. Whole lot of new lore and art for Exandria, a bunch of new magic items, creatures, and new rival NPCs. Not quite sure what that's going to mean, but it's an official release in partnership with Critical Role. If you are a fan of Critical Role, or you like to the Wild Mountain books, or you like the Tal'Dorei Reborn book, mm-hmm. pick it up. I'm going to pick it up, that's we'll, for sure. We'll be getting it, and we'll be talking about it when it drops. Absolutely. Um, interesting. It's a campaign book. I'm glad that they made it explicitly clear that it is a campaign and not a campaign setting mm-hmm. so that they can just avoid the nonsense. And if it is as feature rich and detailed as the wild mountain book is, then I have very, very high hopes for call of the nether deep. Uh, pick it up. I'm excited. Now, those are the books that we definitively know. Yes. Exist. There are obviously going to be other books throughout the year. They don't just stop printing in May. No, no. But we don't know the specifics of what these books are, what they're called. What we do know from Ray Winnegar, who is on the design team for Wizards of the Coast, he tweeted out, this is back in June, mind you. So this also may have changed, but this is the most recent information we really have. On D&D settings. They want to revive, quote-unquote, classic settings, and they're in production right now. Two products. One of them is being overseen by Chris Perkins and is apparently nearly complete as of last June. Mm -hmm. So that may have already come out. Probably not. It may have been Fizzman's, maybe, but that's not a setting, really. No. Because that's, even though it's got a lot of uh, Dragonlance, it's not really a classic setting. No, it's... it's So we suspect that it's still going to come out. And uh, they have a second one that is led by Wes Schneider with an assist from Ari Levich, which is apparently just ramping up as of last June. They're both targeting 2022 releases and the formats and formats you've never seen before. Which that part's an interesting little tidbit. Because obvi- obviously they're going to make a print run. They're going to do their D&D Beyond digital mm-hmm. run. But like what other format could it be? Right. 
Um, unless they're doing like some cool multimedia stuff, which I think would be cool if they were, but they're setting books and they're not campaign books. Campaign books, I think if they had like a multi multimedia component of like recorded voice lines for important, like setup stuff. I, I mean, uh, in, in previous podcasts, we did talk about Spelljammer um, mm-hmm. and how in the early 2000, late nineties, early two thousands, um, uh, uh, TSR and then, subsequently wizards i believe we're going to put out multimedia forms of the campaign setting Spelljammer, um including one which would have a more or less tv sh- it w- they were going to do a Spelljammer board game which was going to be accompanied by a live action tv show more or less that mm-hmm. the characters in the tv show would do the same things as the players in the board game it was horrendously bad it was hilarious from what i saw online because um, I do have videos. There is video evidence of it, and it's terrible. It will be. It'll be interesting to see. Again, we still at this point, uh, end of January of 2022, we have not had any more official word yeah. on what these could be. Now, the comments in this thread are, or this Twitter thread are, just filled with what people want. Are just filled with what people want. Uh, Gamma World, Spelljammers, Dragonlance, Birthright. Dark Sun, Greyhawk, Mistara. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of classic D and D settings that mm-hmm. they could be referencing here. Um, but moving on, we also know, in addition to those two titles, they have two brand new D and D settings in early development, as well as a return to a setting we've already recovered. So that's three additional ones. And Ray Winnegar specifies that no, they are not Magic the Gathering worlds. So we may be returning to Magic the Gathering at, for books this year, but they are not the now total of five new titles that apparently they are working on. And at, he also goes on to preface, or to a little asterisk at the end. As uh, he mentioned in a dev blog, they develop more material than they publish, so it's possible one or more of the last three that they are working on won't reach production, but as re- as of right now, they're all looking great. We also don't know if they would be released this year. Mm-hmm. Um, brand new D&D settings is cool, and a return to a setting they've already covered, so that would include what? Sword Coast. Sword, the Sword Coast, Forgotten Realms, um, I'm Baldur's looking, Gate. I'm looking at our books and realizing we only have Sword Coast when it comes down to and technically strike safe when it comes down yeah. to campaign settings, campaign settings, models, whatever you yeah. want to phrase them. Um, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, if they returned to Eberron. Mm-hmm. That one's unique. Greyhawk. I could see happening, but in terms of like the classics that they go to, I think spell jammers, given what we've been seeing in the news recently in the last couple months, spell jammers seems like a lock. Yes, it does. I would say, I would not be surprised if one of them was Dragonlance. Especially with Fizbins having just been put mm-hmm. out at the end of last year. Um, mm-hmm. And I honestly wouldn't be really surprised by, like, Dark Sun or Gamma World. Mm-hmm. But there, there's a lot of possibilities here, and these are also might not at all be coming out this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but- And none of that is to talk about any of the magic the gathering worlds that could be making an appearance as well oh yeah 
but stay tuned to our podcast in the future and you will definitely hear as they as we know more 100 percent, 100 percent. now let's get to the meat of what's going on here today mm-hmm. we've taken care of one layer of bread we've we've taken care of one thing but we got a i believe this is a first proper just darrington press release D D book I believe they did the novel. The novel, yeah, was through uh, Penguin Random House. Mm-hmm. So this Kev- is Kevin so, Ken. so this is the first proper Darrington Press release. Taldori Reborn. It is an updated, revised, and more fully realized version of what they were trying to do with the Taldori campaign setting that they released back mm-hmm. in 2014, 15? Uh, I believe it was... We looked this up. It was five years ago. It was five years. It was only five years ago. It was 2017 that they did that. And then Wild Mount, of course, the actually first uh, Critical Role Wizards of the Coast collaboration came out, I believe, in 20, in early 2020. Yep. Uh, now, the Taldori Reborn setting has a structure that if you looked through the Wild Mount campaign book, it'll look very, very familiar. And there is a good amount of overlap because they are both in the world of Exandria. So a lot of the the Pantheon is similar. A lot of the first chapter sort of history of Exandria and Taldori and the time and calendar and the cosmos of Exandria and all of that is rather similar to the Wildmount book. But they integrate together quite well, I would say, because of that. Um, there are some differences in the lesser idols of the Pantheon. There's some overlap with uh, Vesh, the Bloody Siren, and the Traveler. Uh, but there's a lot of new lesser idols that are specific to the Taldori setting, as well as the factions and societies in yes. Taldori. I think that's one of my favorite breakdowns that the Wild Mountain book has that a lot of other campaign settings don't are getting into like some major characters from the major factions that exist mm-hmm. in those campaigns. Uh, you got the Taldori Council, Arcana, Pensophical, Ashari, a lot of things you would recognize, Myriad, etc., and so on. Um, the first two chapters, I feel like, are just kind of s- like little little set dressing for you to really get get you ready for the meat of what this campaign guide has to offer, which is the third chapter in my mind. Uh, but do you have anything to say about chapters one and two? Uh, I'm, you know, it's 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 one of those things where, uh, like you said, it's it's a it's a lot of 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 uh, reprint or not reprint necessarily, but revision and and updating. But it it is it is definitely still geared towards if this is going to be your first uh, book to pick up as a critical role uh, enthusiast. Um, it does a very good job of keeping mm-hmm. that that uh welcome to the adventure sort of vibe yeah it's good stuff i like the layout of it specifically Mm -hmm. and having the npcs added in there is pretty nice the layout is a big thing from the original is the original was very uh it was very this one lines a little bit better up with the wizards of the coast stylization um where of course while still being distinct and different and not breaking the ogl and all that yep but the old one definitely had like these these strangely like full like full fold out like you'd have to have both pages open and there were things that just didn't line up right yeah. uh, but now they've kind of uh, I don't want to say 
they've improved they've they've printed more books now they kind of get a bit of understand the process a little better Uh, i do want to clarify ogl is the open gaming license Mm -hmm. for uh D &D for people that create their own homebrew content and what they're allowed and not allowed to talk about and all that kind of stuff um moving on though we have chapter three which is the gazetteer it's got a uh, very, very detailed breakdowns of the major regions of Tal'Dorei and many uh, points of interest in those regions, Lucidian Coast, Alabaster Sierras, Cliff Keep Mountains, etc., the Verdant Expanse, as well as a small section on other lands of Exandria, which has Marquette and Wild Mount and the Shattered Teeth and all that kind of stuff. This is my favorite part of the book. Uh, it was my favorite part of Wild Mount, the details and the information that they provide for cities specifically population breakdowns hierarchies trades exports yeah it's it's all very very helpful useful background information that a lot of people when they're homebrewing their own worlds don't often think about Mm -hmm. and can really help you with your description as a dm help set apart the location that your characters are currently at as opposed to something they were recently at um, with, with just small little details that mm-hmm. really mean nothing but make you look like a much better DM than you <laughs> might think you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's each person has only so much creativity in their mind um, and when it comes to describing, uh, you know, this this area, especially if you haven't changed, like, you know, majorly changed, like, mm. climates or, or, or something like that. Uh, yeah, you're, like you're saying, it can be very, very same, samey, very similar to the last place. So, yeah, just having, like, oh, um, and, and this can also give you inspiration to, in your own DMing, to, like, oh, this place is nearer to a mountain, so it's going to have more of the mountain ores that you, that you, uh, excavated where this one's out in the middle of a plane so they're probably going to have more farmland things like that crops and stuff yeah uh the other major thing about these cities that's great are the adventure hooks that are available for most of the most all of the pois that are in the book they they give you like a short little hook that you can offer your players they leave it Mm open-ended for you to figure out what happens on your end uh but some of the prompts are just hilarious and amazing uh, they tend to be prompts that are like any level, or they might give you a tier, like a high level play or a mid level. They might, uh, it might include a, a specific monster from either its beast, from either this book's bestiary or a bestiary from another book. Mm-hmm. All very good stuff. I love. There is uh, a Whitestone adventure involving uh, Percy and Vex's children getting lost in the dungeons of the Castle of Whitestone and they need help being found. Yes. Stuff like that is adorable and hilarious. Which I think we haven't mentioned. This takes place about 20 years after the events of Campaign 1 of Critical Role. Yes, that is correct. So Vox Machina is pretty much retired from adventuring at this point. And their characters are referenced in the book as well as being important people that you would encounter. Yes. Um, I mean, so the, uh, of course we'll get to this later on, but they, all Vox Machina stat blocks, high level stat blocks are at the end of the book, but, if, and then throughout, um, in like, for example, the, uh, the Taldori council of, um, in the, in the society factions and organizations include some of the members of Vox Machina and things like mm-hmm. that. The coin mistress herself, Vexalia. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Spoilers. Campaign campaign one i guess or if two really you, you know what <laughs> you know what 
if you don't know by now, then we're 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 far enough beyond that it's not spoilers anymore. Anyway. I agree. I agree. I think I think um, with the rule is what six months, something like that. So, uh, it's on the Taldori Council. <laughs> hey, Matt, it's on the Taldori Council. <laughs> another one just died. They, another one just died. <laughs> That's campaign too funny. All right, chapter four. You have character options. Uh, there's a brief section about playing in the Taldori campaign specifically and about tying your characters into the world of Taldori, picking, helping you figure out how to pick out a location, a backstory, a background that makes sense. Uh, but there's a very, lo- a very long breakdown of the uh, many of the races and cultures that exist in Taldori and uh, specifically where dragonborns or what dragonborns tend to be doing what genasi tend to be doing but they're called elemental ancestry probably because genasi is not in the ogl would be my guess dragonborn is also called dragon blood dragon blood Blood. i wanted to make sure it was blood not brood yeah one letter difference dragon blood um also with uh the dwarves and elves instead of saying just you know high elf or or hill dwarf they actually spell, link it to locations that you can find on the map um but there are crag hammer dwarves instead of mountain yes. dwarves i believe and and, yeah. and things like Singorn elves instead of uh high elves which which or, helps get around the ogl a little bit but at the same time is very helpful if you are actually running a taldori campaign of yourself for mm-hmm. yourself and small little tweaks like that in general and this just doesn't go for just taldori but if you are creating a homebrew world and you can tie in some of the sub races that are available for races to locations instead Mm of just their generic names that can really help with the immersion Mm -hmm. of your players and helping them really get attached to the world right out of the gate Uh, along those lines there's also the backgrounds only five the ashari clasp a member of the clasp a Lyceum Scholar, a Reformed Cultist, and a Whitestone Rifle Corps member. Um, Rifle Corps member is the only new one in this book. The other four were in the original. Yep. Uh, I, think they, I think they've got a little bit of little tweaks to them. Uh, nothing spaz. too crazy. There's also another background feature that's called the Supernatural Blessing. It is a fate touched. It is very similar in theme to the Hollow One from Wildmount. As sort of just like an additional, it's not a background in and of itself, but like an additional set of abilities that mm-hmm. you could be given. Um, you have to talk to your DM about it. Of course, it's not an option that you can just take. Uh, there's a page on Hemocraft and talking about blood magic, which is a big deal in Exandria, uh, in Taldori specifically. A lot of how to theme it, as well as whether or not your characters are or your players are okay with that. Yeah, and um, how to have that discussion. Yeah, there. Uh, you know, one of one of a number of things uh, that they suggest talking about, and and the D and D community in general suggests talking to your players about to make sure everybody is a is a is comfortable and and ready to have the full effect of your table. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have some subclasses here. A couple of them are blood magic subclasses. Uh, you got the Barbarian, the Path of the Juggernaut, which is a returning subclass. The Bard, College of Tragedy, which is new. The new. Cleric, Blood Domain, which is returning. The Cleric, Moon Domain, which is new. new. The Druid, Circle of the Blighted, is new. The Way of the Cobalt Soul Monk is new, but there's also been uh, homebrew releases from Matt Mercer about... Cobalt Soul is actually in the original. It is in the original. It is in the original. 
Shit. Yeah. No shit. Yeah, I have it because uh, wow. I, I went through the old one previously, and I have that written down on the. Yeah. But since uh, Marisha played Beauregard in Campaign Two, there have been some significant changes that have been made yes. to that subclass yes. in particular. Very uh, notably, the Paladin Oath of the Open Sea, which was created for Ford in Campaign Two, is in here. Uh, the Rune Child Sorcerer, as well as a new subclass, the Wizard Blood Magic mm-hmm. Wizard. So two. Blood magic, hemocraft based subclasses, which is neat. Looking at these subclasses, what are you, what are you vibing with? Uh, I, I, not a big, I am not a druid stan. There are a lot of people on the internet who love a druid. Yeah. I'm not one of those. But Circle of the Blighted, that, that actually like the, the, the effects and the, and the, the, the uh, flavor around it. I do quite enjoy. I think it's very, uh, I think it's neat. And I think the, the druids are often just so bland, samey. Um, and I think this one gives a, a neat, different perspective on the druid. Um, but my opinion, the druid still needs a rewrite, but of course I know I'll get a lot of hate for that. That's fine. I mean, there is a 5.5 edition that's coming in the coming years. There is, but I, I don't think that they're going to rewrite the Druid how I think the Druid needs to be rewritten. Yeah, I, maybe reflavored. A lot, the abilities that the Druid has, I think, are fine. Um, as with many full caster classes, the subclass kind of means a little bit less yeah. than half casters or martial classes. But a lot of the druids are just really the same kind of thing. And I think as they moved on with Tasha's and Xanathar's, mm-hmm. they kind of made them a bit more unique. The wildfire druid, the the circle of spores, yes. all that kind of stuff, making it more thematic. But yeah, I agree. The blighted is cool, though. I like the blighted. blighted is dope. Obviously, uh, Way of the Cobalt Soul Monk and the Oath of the Open Sea Paladin going to feel really familiar if you watched mm-hmm. Campaign 2 and, and dug that. Love me some blood magic. You are a big fan of the blood magic. All right, uh, we have been we have been toiling about with some ideas for a blood magic homebrew pack of our own mm-hmm. that we may release this year. Hopefully, that'd be awesome. That'd be cool. Um, but the the blood domain cleric and the blood magic wizard, I think, are pretty dope. But honestly, like I don't normally go to just kind of your beef boy martial classes. I like a wizard, I like yeah. a warlock, that kind of stuff. A little but, bit of flexibility in there to do what you want. But the Path of the Juggernaut Barbarian, I mean, makes me feel like Juggernaut. Like an <laughs> X-Men, it's pretty awesome. I, th- I think it's kind of just a better Berserker Barbarian in a lot of ways. It's a, Yeah, it's a kind of a, mo- uh, a Berserker mixed with like a push-your-enemies-around Barbarian. Yeah. The last bit of this chapter are the feats uh, most of them are returning feats from the original Tal'Dorei setting, but a lot of them have rewrites yep. to them. Some of them are just left the same. Like, Cruel is effectively exactly the same, just slightly different wording and formatting to make yes. it easier to read. That was a big one, was the formatting that they did in this section. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, some of them, like Spelldriver, for example, have... Um, it's a feat that allows you to cast more than one spell leveled spell in a turn, mm-hmm. so action and bonus action. And uh, in campaign one, that kind of like ran a little bit wild with uh, Keyleth, but here they added some new rules to it to specify that only one of them can be of fourth level or higher, and the other one has to be one first, third. second, or third level. 
Um, I believe they bumped the a level requirement too on that one. Yes, from eighth to eleventh level. Yes, so you have to take it at a higher level, and the additional spell that you can cast is capped at level three mm-hmm. for spell slots. Which I mean, I think it's I think it's still a good feat, just because I mean it lets you do what you want to do as well as get a misty step or get a uh, a, a spiritual a, yeah a healing word or a cure wounds off you were uh, yeah or even like a um a spiritual weapon a lot of really great bonus action spells that you would have to limit yourself to a cantrip otherwise mm-hmm. now you can just do with another spell of your choice of pretty much any level which i think is good there's a lot of also there's a lot of other really cool feats in there thrown weapon master yes or thrown weapon expert or something like that that goes with that would that would pair very well with uh, some of the Tasha's fighting styles for thrown weapon fighting. Yeah, yeah, the Tasha's really bumped uh, the number of fighting styles up. I think by two. I think they doubled it, and there are a lot of cool ones in there, and uh, it, it gives a lot more variety. And you, this- can, you can get a better Vaxeldan than Vaxeldan going. Yes, here. yes, dagger, 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 and snake belt, and snake belt. Chapter 5, Dungeon Master's Toolkit. Now, this is where you get some uh, advice about creating adventures and how to fit it into Tal'Dorei specifically. Uh, Some optional campaign rules that you can implement, um, some of which pair nice with some of the optional rules that are in the Dungeon Master's Guide as well. Mm -hmm. But the bulk here is uh, the treasures of Tal'Dorei. You've got some magic items, you've got some tools of the Ashari, as they're put, which are just... Magic items. But they're different very flavorful. Section. They're very flavorful. And then the thing that most people are here for with the magic items, the vestiges of divergence. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much all of the vestiges are returning with a couple of notable exceptions, uh, one of which being Dwethvar, the vestige that was uh, found and created by Ford in Campaign 2 with the help of the Mighty Nine, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like Caduceus... That was his big goal for a while. I was like, I want to find the sword for Ford. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ford's like, all right, cool. And when they were about to forge it, he's like, fuck my dark magic sword. Fuck the falchion. Anyway. Love it. Love. I always got to shout out Fenthris for being a magic bow that is not an oath bow. <laughs> you do love a magic bow. I love a magic bow because there's only one official magic bow. And that's the oath bow. It's, it's kind of kind not of. great, yeah. and it's only a legendary, so it's really hard to find. <sighs> a lot of good stuff here. Um, the The style of magic item that Matt Mercer made for the vestiges of leveling up with your characters is amazing. Mm-hmm. It is exceptionally personal, and I think I think Wizards of the Coast could should. Just just copy that entirely. Like, make, make some dope magic items that you can give to low-level players that level up with them mm-hmm. and become better and super powerful by the time they're mid and late tier in their leveling. Yeah, the, uh, the current way D&D is played really relies on you. Like, okay, your first through fifth level, you, you know, you're going you're gonna to find or buy a, a plus one weapon at some point. Yeah. And as opposed to that, I mean, you could do a whole... A whole campaign around just finding you you have these you each have these low level weapons and your whole goal is to level them up yeah um to fight the big bad guy that would be that would be a fun Taldori adventure is you you all 
happen upon this horde of dormant vestiges and you have to learn what they are and how to level them up and then some great power comes in etc and so on then you come spider-man with great power comes great responsibility great responsibility indeed now last chapter of this book allies and adversaries of taldori uh it's the bcr mm-hmm you got a small section on non-player characters that are just humanoids. Um, though there are a couple humanoids in the actual breakdown of their bestiary. But you've got some... You got Ashari, the Cinder Slag Elemental, um, the Craghammer Goat Knight. Some of the, a lot of these are returning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a lot of new ones. One of the big new ones, for me at least, is uh, Juriel, the Catogeist. Oh, yes. From uh, Campaign 2, this sort of spectral assassin. Lots of arms. A lot of arms. A lot of swords. A lot of swords. She helped out the Mighty Nine under the cathedral in Rexentrum when they were fighting Oban for the last time. Yes. Full stat block for the Cato Geist, which is pretty cool. But the thing that we're really all here for, at the very end of this bestiary is an entire section dedicated to all of the members of Vox Machina. Vox Machina. All of these stat blocks are very chunky. <laughs> yes. They are very large. If these NPCs become viable opponents for your party, they can fuck them up. They are, they are the... They are Vox Machina at their strongest point in the campaign. Yes. Right at the end there. This is, this is a wizened, powerful, trained, accomplished group of exceptionally powerful people. And let's go one by one. Sure. We got we got Grog, uh, Grog Strongjaw mm-hmm. right out of the gate. Uh, it's got a description of him, his temperament, his personality, as well as uh, pretty much everyone has an after the epilogue section about what happened after they defeated Vecna. Grog ret- retired to Westrun to live with Pike, and he has dedicated himself to read and strengthen his mind. He's learned letters, shapes, colors numbers even and he organizes a quadrennial event in whitestone that he calls the luncheon of champions where he personally sends handwritten letter invitations to the greatest warriors of exandria to battle in an all-out brawl and then have lunch and ale with him and it has a cute little uh handwritten letter art from grog which is hilarious it's great he even spells his name in cursive (laughs) it's adorable now stat block a lot of features you will recognize from features in the player's handbook for the classes. Uh, we're not going to do a complete breakdown, but uh, all of them have special equipment. He's got the belt of Dwarven Kind, the Blood Axe, the Dwarven Thrower, and the Titan Stone Knuckles. All things you found throughout the campaign one. He's got uh, multi-attack, three when he's raging, that he can take with his Blood Axe, Dwarven Thrower, Titan Stone Knuckles, and it's got a breakdown for all of them. He can enlarge himself once per rest, or once per long rest. He can rage, dealing an extra four to his... T- like, all the stuff that you would expect. Uh, he has a reaction opportunist. When a creature within five feet of Grog casts a spell or deals damage to him, he can make a melee weapon attack against that creature. Spell Breaker. Uh, if he damages a creature that is concentrating on a spell, he gives disadvantage. They have disadvantage on the saving throw to maintain concentration. And in addition, Grog has advantage on saving throws against spells cast by creatures within five feet of him. So, as you would expect, 
he's going in and he's fucking people up. It's beefy. This is a beefy, beefy boy. Chonky. Also, his intel- since he has been learning to read and write, his intelligence is an eight now. So it's only minus one. There you go. That's, that's, that's nice. The next one. The voice of the Tempest, Keyleth. After the epilogue, she buried herself in the duties as voice of the Tempest after she lost Vaxeldan. She did everything she could to ally the Arashari with the rest of Taldoria and create a better world, prepared to unite against threats like the Whispered One and the Chroma Conclave. She's also like the official official ambassador to Taldori. It's a lot. That's a lot of jobs. It's a lot of jobs. Being an ambassador. Also, Keyleth, of course, uh believe the only Vox Machina member to make a brief appearance in Campaign 2. Yep. Yep. Seen through a portal. Seen through a portal. By not. By not. Veth. Veth, yes. Veth the Brave. Who then had commissioned uh, some antlers made. It was lovely. Uh, a lot of what you would expect out of uh, her stat block. Out of a high-level moon druid. Adva- advantage on concentration checks. Advantage on saving throws against being charmed. Magic. Yada yada. Special equipment. She has a circlet of wisdom. Plus two leather armor. Ring of protection with a plus two. And the spire of conflux. Sadly, this is the old form of spellcasting. So you're not going to have everything put into actions and bonus actions and all that. Though there are a couple of key actions uh some of her most used stuff like chain lightning from the spire of conflux a meteor from her earth elemental form and shape change as well some of her favorites being a planetar an adult bronze dragon or any other creature of cr20 or lower any 20th level spellcaster <laughs> is going to be a force to be reckoned with especially a high level druid that can just at will cast shape change on themselves yes um this is probably the one that I'd be most afraid of if I were to fight as a party member. Oh, yeah. Um, like you said, I mean, just being able to turn into an earth elemental and then have a hundred and something temporary hit points. And once those get knocked down, yep, next turn, right back at it. Shape change to a planetar or a dragon or like Keyleth. Though her hit points are pretty modest at 150, and her armor class is only 17, even with the armor and the ring of protection, she is a force to be reckoned with. Again, probably not. You're, you're probably not going to be fighting a high-level druid in their normal, in their humanoid form. And uh, if you are, they're probably going to be throwing some heavy spells at you. Yeah, that's not to mention like she can concentrate on spells while shape changed and wild shaped, mm-hmm. which is just ludicrous luda next we have percival frederick strine von muso kowalski dorolo the third as well as vexalia dorolo you can call him percy you can call him percy they're both married now after the epilogue percy is retired from public life not long after the defeat of vecna and he now dedicates himself to his duties as the leader of whitestone as much as he can though he still has more interest in creating than governing Loves to do his tinkering in private, as always. Helps with a lot of engineering throughout uh, Exandria, specifically in Whitestone's Skyport and Zephra's network of windmills. Vexalia is now on the Taldori Council as the Master of Commerce. Uh, she is also making frequent use of teleportation circles between Whitestone and Amon. Got a lot of duties. She's very <laughs> important. Duty. One thing they 
they do say that she does occasionally like to hop out with the gray hunters to eliminate threats in Taldori, but not often. They have a nice little family portrait of the Dorolos, including uh, Vexalia and Trinket and their children. I know they, th- this is long enough away, but not so long away that uh, Percival is quite old. Yes. But not dead yet. And He's got a beard. Yeah. Big and there's... And I will say that Vex definitely looks like Laura in the painting. I mean, yeah. What what else are you going to model Vex off of besides the, her creator and player, mm-hmm. Laura? be weird if it was like Michelle Obama. <laughs> if you're like, wow, I didn't know Mich- I didn't know Vex was supposed to look like Michelle Obama. Yeah, yeah, that's a little. That would be a little strange, for sure. But the stat blocks are also quite chonky. Uh, Percival, No Mercy, Percy. First of all, there's an ability of his called No Mercy, which is just brutal crit or is the champion's crit on a 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Lie some. Okay, I'll lie. Percy is the best man, uh, most powerful. (laughs) No, Percy, I feel like, would be fairly simple to take out compared to the other members of Vox Machina. Well, if you got to remember, he's going to be... His his combat style was ranged, and he got four attacks plus action surge, Mm -hmm. and each of those attacks hit pretty hard. Plus, yeah. he had a plenty of magic items that allowed him to boost his attack's power. Yeah, these the the firearms that he has in his stat block do feel a bit toned down from what Animus and Bad News and some of his other weapons were in Campaign 1. Still formidable. The misfire mechanic is simple simplified for the guns. Cabal's Ruin is still really good. Yeah, Cabal's Ruin is very good. But the next stat block is Trinket. Trinket. CR5 bear. It's just a little bit better than your average bear. It's got plate armor. <laughs> yeah. 61 hit points. Uh, if Trinket is reduced to zero and is within 100 feet of Vex, he immediately goes to Vex's necklace. Mm-hmm. And then Vexalia herself, Fentress, got the bramble shot. Got some of the got Hunter's Mark, Cunning Action, Uncanny Dodge, um, just kind of a mishmash of your Rogue, your Ranger. Again, I feel like her and Percy would be the easiest to, maybe the easiest to handle in a straight up fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that that's going to lend you to um, to uh, or well, it's going to lend a, a, a DM to learn about uh, the tactics and how how to run different characters different ways that's Um, true not everybody is just an infantry not everybody is a glass cannon gotta combine your your groups to their to their strengths especially if you play them how they are described in the book um for example encountering vex out with the gray hunters Mm -hmm. and allowing her to just kind of sit back while the gray hunters get in close with the party i mean she could really mess you guys up oh yeah next you have pike trickfoot uh, she has one of the longer after the epilogue sections. Um, in short, she marries Scanlan, and they have two children: Juniper, who they call Ju- uh, Juni, as well as Will Handledon, who they call Wax. Wax. <sighs> oh, Scanlan. Um, 
eventually when the kids grow up, they amicably divorce and remain close friends and occasional lovers. Uh, Pike then spends a lot of her time with Grog and likes to go hang out with Kiki and Scanlan helps out uh, his daughter and all nice and lovely as you would expect. Indeed. But Pike being the cleric, she is a 20th level spellcaster in her stat block. Uh, has the plate of the Dawn Martyr and a shield. She's going to be really hard to hit. Nothing too crazy, but a high level cleric is a high level cleric. And when you've got some powerful abilities with your Dawn Martyr, um, as well as your Mace of Disruption, Gauntlets of Ogre Power, Boots of Speed, mm-hmm. and a, a special boon called the Everlight's Guidance, I think Pike would be one of the other ones that would really fuck you up, along with uh, Keyleth. But she wouldn't want to. She wouldn't want to. No. no. Unless she... <laughs> Unless she's doing a battle royale style well, one shot, yeah, <laughs> or or a uh, Vox Machina versus Mighty Nine battle in the hells sort of thing, though she might just be more interested in ghost fucking Scanlan. Spoilers for that one shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is Scanlan Shorthalt himself, as previously discussed. Uh, after they amicably amicably divorce. Um, oh, it is noted he is approaching a century of life. Yes. He was 69 years old, years old at the start of the campaign because Sam Six, Regal. Yeah. Because 69. It's, nice. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Spends most of his time with his daughter Kaylee operating their high-end trading business. Meat man imports and sexports. Oh. Sam really had fun with this epilogue. <laughs> You can really feel it. And then just a little just a little stinger right at the very end. Just one sentence, its own or two sentences, its own paragraph. Also he has a mustache now. He thinks it makes him look distinguished. And his art has just a nice little twirly Frenchman mustache. <laughs> Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Burt Reynolds Esquire. Also a twentieth level spellcaster. Scanlan has his myth carver as well as plus two leather armor of acid resistance. A ring of protection that is plus two, the hat of disguise, and a wand of magic missiles. Though he is also a 20th level spellcaster like Kiki and Pike, I feel like he'd be the easiest to handle. His armor class is a, a very manageable 16, 190 hit points. You get in close with him, his myth carver can like hurt you a bit, but as a 20th level spellcaster doing... 1d8 plus 1d6 plus 3 piercing damage is not really what you want to be doing. No, no, of course. Again, playing how, uh, you know, he was, he was never, never in close um, if he couldn't help it. Uh, and Though he does have advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws. It's because he's a gnome. Because he's a gnome. He's a gnome boy. Gnome boy. And his arcane fist. Because I believe Bigby's hand. I believe is, Bigby's hand is uh, not in. Yeah, the, it's not in the OGL. Sadly, <laughs> that is one thing to note. A lot of these spell lists and feature ability and feature names are going to be a little bit different because of the open gaming license and what they are and are not allowed to include. Yep. So some of them are instead of spells, they've just become 
bonus actions or actions that use a spell slot. Yeah, and and things like the obviously you can't uh, you can't really put a copyright on things like having magical hands, but you, yep. the name Big B on the other hand, yeah. um, which if if you are watching the critical role Vox Machina Le- Legends of Vox Machina animated show, you also see them do that there where. Can't say Bigby's hand because I was, of course, in the campaign. Yeah. Bigby's hand. Bigby's hand. In the show, not a spoiler. It's gonna be. You, you know, he's gonna cast it. Uh, it's Scanlan's hand. Scanlan's hand. Scanlan's hands. Um. But yeah. But next, the other character Sam Regal played, Terry and Darrington. Mm-hmm. I was kind of pleased that they. I was. I was very pleased they included Terry and uh, Doty. Uh, after the epilogue, he's been running the Terrington Brigade. But uh, he he left his home of D stock in Wildmount, and but he retired with his husband Lawrence to the Menagerie Coast, where he now likes to write fiction <laughs> instead of nonfiction. Yes, which is hilarious. Doty, take that down. Doty, Doty, CR six construct. Yes, AC seventeen, hit points of seventy eight. He's got an arcane surge, to deal extra force damage. To a target. Dedicated servant. Limited vocabulary is a feature. Terry. Terry. Yes. Correct. Absolutely. Soon. Handsome. And the like. Terry. Terry. Can't be surprised. He's got an empowered fist. He can repair himself. He can deflect things. Also he, is a vacuum cleaner. Also is a vacuum cleaner. Our, Our vacuum, vacuum cleaner. cleaner. <laughs> Our vacuum cleaner is Dodie. Uh, this is Dodie X, a.k.a. Dodie the Tenth. Mm-hmm. Dodie Ten. Very upgraded and new and fancy and lovely. Terry and Darrington, on the other hand, also a bit easier to handle, but he also never made it to level 20 like the rest of Vox Machina. No, he, I believe, is capped at CR... Or, well, he is CR 10, Nine. I believe. Nine. Um, yeah, because he was, he was pretty mid-campaign, and then the Sam Riel brought short uh, Scanlan back. Yep. So He is classified as a 15th level spellcaster. With just a plus eight and a DC of 16, so nothing too crazy. Uh, he's got his helm of brilliance, robe of useful items, and a ring of the ram. He also has a bag of holding. He has some beads of force, a broom of flying, and a chime opening. Chime of opening. Because he was an, art- an artificer. Mm-hmm. Not the current release of the artificer. At the time, no. it was a it was a, a unearthed arcana. UA, yeah. But he's he's got some he's got some. Defense, uh, resistance to acid and poison, and immunity to the poison condition because he's created so much uh, disgusting shit, <laughs> <laughs> which I just find hilarious. Uh, he can command Doty. He's got advantage on concentration checks. All very manageable. I think Terry, uh, if he were to fight a party, would be the most reasonable one to handle as a party. Yeah, I mean, again, Terry's uh, whole thing, Terry and Darrington's whole thing. Uh, was to be on a broom and fly about and let other people do the work while he buffed them. Yep. And he does indeed have that broom of flying. Now, the one who does not have an after the epilogue and is not named as his name in life, the Champion of Ravens, is a Celestial, CR 21. We know him as Vaxaldan. Mm-hmm. He's fate-touched, which is the included supernatural gift for this book 
but he's got all of the roguey things you would expect. Assassinate, evasion, uncanny dodge. He still has his boots of haste. He still has whisper. Um, he's got a special ability, the touch of life and death, which is neat. He's got his, uh, as, as mentioned, his boots of haste, the Deathwalker's ward and whisper. He's got shadow smite as well, which is a unique feature to this. He's got some innate spell casting, uh, bane, bless, greater invisibility, and one of the only remnants of his previous life. He does have at will. He can cast druidcraft. Yep, he took one level of druid at the very end of the campaign yep. so that he could give a flower to Keyleth upon his death. Yep. Death. Is, is ascension? Is ascension. He also can't really die. When he's reduced to zero hit points, his body is destroyed, but his spirit returns to the Raven Queen, and he gains a new body in 1d4 days. And he, he's, mostly, he's mostly rogue. A couple little paladin-y things... And then just that kind of one hint at the druid that he took uh, toward the end of his life. It's very mm-hmm. nice. He's got an innate flying speed of 60 feet. Yep. Vax, I feel that like we really... Vax is... Sorry. Sorry. The champion, champion of, of the Raven Queen. The, the champion of Ravens himself. Champion of Ravens. Um, very slippery. Exceptionally slip, slippery. He's mm-hmm. like resistant to many things. He's immune to most conditions. The, the flying speed, the uncanny dodge, the cutting action, like, he's going to be, I think, the hardest to pin down. Oh, yeah. He might not be the, the worst to deal with in a one-on-one fight, but... I mean, if he gets to jump on you, you might not have time for a one-on-one fight. Yeah, that's true. But he is the last member of Vox Machina in this campaign book. After that is the index and a list of the artists. Um... A lot of great art. A lot of great art in this book. Oh, yeah. My um, God. They did not hold back. They have a lot of great artists in their community, and no reason to hold back on that. No no expense was spared in the art of this book. Uh, it also, at the very end, includes a map of Tal'Dorei that is similar to the one that they released um, with the original campaign setting. Uh very similar in style and layout, though it does have some key artistic differences that make it a little bit more similar to the Wild Mount map, I believe. Um, it also might be exactly the same now that I'm looking at the two. One, well, on, one on our wall from the old one and then one on my computer screen. <laughs> well, when we, get the, uh, when we finally get the hard copy, oh we'll have gosh, to... It's taking forever to ship. <sighs> taking so long to ship which fair i mean like everyone's bought it i'm sure so and just in general like paper there's paper shortages because i know i uh another company uh, Mm -hmm. mcdm i bought a i kickstarted a different thing of theirs different book and like it's i've had the pdf for a couple months now and they keep sending backer updates they're like hey okay we had to get a new printer because the old printer didn't have any paper (laughs) and then we had to bargain with or barter with the new (laughs) That was literally one of the things, like, they didn't have the proper paper printed on, and so, uh, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. That's hilarious. Crazy. We live in 2022. Man. Stay safe out there, guys. Yeah. Um, Taldori Reborn, you can buy it on shop.critroll.com, as well as Amazon. Should we set up Amazon affiliates? I don't see why not. I feel like that's something that we could do. Like, sure. fairly easily. Like, make our own little Amazon shop. I'm pretty sure it doesn't take that long at all. No. I'll look into that. Dodie, take that down. Thank you, Dodie. 
that's all we got for you today. Yeah. Uh, we would normally check out the TikTok live comments and uh, the podcast questions portion of our Discord server, but uh, since we're re-recording this, we're not doing it. We have no TikTok live, as we mentioned, and there are no questions in the... Because we didn't announce that we were doing Discord. This. No, no. Um, there just aren't really questions in the Discord yep. in general. We, we have had some new additions to the Discord recently. I want to shout a couple of them out. Twisted Whiskey. Uh, John Keener the Fourth, Fallen Angel, uh, Tichnesis, and the Pi One Four Seven have all joined the Discord recently, and they've helped out in making things uh, a little bit more vibrant. There's a little bit more going on. There's not a lot going on. Join our Discord and Join show us how to use Discord, because. We're not really good at it. No, we have underutilized it at best. You set it up lovely. Um, the setup is the setup is fine. We just don't do much. It's yeah. The meme the memes channel is pretty good, though we don't post nearly enough in there. But there's some good there's some good bits in there. Um, we have a we have a homebrew channel. Uh, you can get early looks at the homebrew that we're looking that we're working on that will be released on Drive Through RPG, and you can post your own stuff as well. Um, Podcast ask, questions. You can ask us questions for this podcast or guaranteed in way to get your questions on the podcast pretty much at this point is mm-hmm. to put it in that. Uh, the link to that is in the description of this YouTube video as well as the link tree in the bio of our TikTok if you are listening on a podcast service there of your choice. Available. On, available many of them. Spotify. Apple, Apple. Google. Google. Probably some other ones. Um, smart fridges. Yes. All that uh, can't put links in those. So no. check out check out our TikTok and YouTube for links. All the links. Or you could uh, yell at the moon. The moon. The moon does know the way. Yes. Uh, the moon will respond to you in three to five business days. So that is a drawback. We're um, working on that though. And that it, also with recent shipping delays, uh, the letters that the moon writes are possibly delayed by shipping, possibly lost in the mail as well. Yes, um, um, I've had some I've had some correspondence with the moon that has been eaten up by the USPS. So yeah. uh, should be noted, the moon also d- does not like to uh, go out. So when mm-hmm. he runs out, of, when the moon runs out of stamps, no, we can't really send until he and you know until he's got to he wait for that. shipping. Yeah, uh, he he has Prime, but sometimes the two day shipping is really like three and a half day shipping. So yeah, especially it's... if you like forget and order like late on a Friday, you don't oh, get it yeah. until like Wednesday. And I mean, I don't blame. I don't. I'm not criticizing the moon here. No, no, no. I'm not criticizing the moon here at all. But there have been on occasion a Friday where he uses his last stamp. It's like 15 minutes before he's clocking out for the day. Yeah, and. You know, he might wait till Monday morning to reorder the stamps. Yeah. Understandable. We've all been there. Reasonable. But we we need we probably should have a discussion about that. You know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to pay him the overtime to, to figure out an Amazon order. You know? Yeah. I'll, I'll even round him up. If he takes like 10 minutes, I'll give him the half hour. That's sure. fine. Sure. You know? Sure. Uh <laughs> so fucking stupid <laughs> yeah so if you have any um if you have any comments you would like us to make to uh the moon please <laughs> let us know via our discord or uh tiktok live chat yeah. yep uh he's a he's a great entity if you if you want to make a druid a circle of the moon or a or the new Taldori reborn yeah moon, moon cleric, cleric or twilight cleric from tasha's as well there you go. um 
Not a great employee, though. Not not a great employee. <laughs> you can check out our YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We post the podcast there every other week. Uh, we're trying to get some shorts up there and some other some YouTube-exclusive other... content as well. Yes. But... Oh, my, oh, and our homebrew. Oh, of course, our homebrew our on homebrew. Uh, uh, Drive-Thru RPG. Drive-Thru RPG link, where all the other links are. In the link tree in the bio. Link tree in the bio. Uh, it's a five magic item pack. We talked about it at the top of the show. It's good stuff. We got a spell pack in the works. We got some feats. We want to do some more extensive homebrew as well. Uh, we might be charging for those. Uh, not much. No. Five bucks, maybe, and, on the and- high end. And right now, everything like we were saying, everything is free. If you want to support us, feel free to throw us a few dollars. You don't have to. They are pay what you want, but they will forever and always be free. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to thank you all again for 10,000 followers on TikTok. That is a very big deal for us. That's our big milestone. First big milestone. Our next big milestone. Uh, we're not going to make any more number milestones. I actually did think of one that I'd like to make a number milestone for. 69,000? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, did I know that? <laughs> uh, we will definitely be celebrating 69,000 followers if we ever get there. Um, but our next big goal, we plan on going to Gen Con in August. Yep. If you go to Gen Con, come say hi to us. And that is our goal, is to have somebody at Gen Con know who we are. Mm-hmm. If we're doing a TikTok meetup, if we find other creators there, like one of them knowing who we are would be huge. We'll be signing autographs. Uh, if you want an autograph from us, we're going to be confused. We're going to be very confused. But and we will oblige. Yeah. I mean, I'll sign anything, really. That's... I'll sign your magic cards. I'll... If... if, if I'll, I'll, I'll sign body parts. Okay. I feel um, you're opening yourself up. Uh, what would you... Uh, would you sign... Like a, a check that they wrote to themselves hmm. in your name. Hmm. You said you sign anything. But it would have to be my check with my banking information. Would they be able to find that? Oh, probably. I don't have checks, though. Oh, I'm sure they could forge it. If they're getting oh. you to sign, you know, if they're going this far, they're, they're here's Here's what I would do. I would sign the memo line, but mm. then I would I would cross out the signature line. There you go. Or you just know? write null on the front. Just write null on the I would write or void. null. I would I would write void very big void, yeah. on it, but then uh, I would I would sign like but I'd sign it like really really small and long so that void looks like it's underlined at like an arm's length. But mm. you look up and it's like oh that's Connor's name. Neat. I would do that. That's you what do I would that? do. That'd be cool. That's what I would do. Be not likely to happen, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good. If one of you makes that happen, I will buy you many drinks at a bar afterwards. Anyway. Anyway. That's all the time we got for today. This has been the Dungeon Bros. The Dungeon Bros Podcast. Uh, We'll see you in two weeks. Uh, Don't know what we'll be talking about quite yet. We'll figure that out. We'll, We'll figure that out. In the meantime, Samuel. Peace.